Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Let's Talk Justice, live show. Today, your host, Charles Cheek. We've got a very interactive conversation today when we'll be talking to Zenithia White with the city of Hampton. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Let's Talk Justice. This is our second show uh, for the month. Uh, we're happy to be coming live to you again, once again. And today we think we have a very interactive conversation about Justice Talks. Uh, we're going to be talking to Mr. Sinithia White with the City of Hampton Youth Violence Prevention Office, and she's the coordinator there. And we're going to be talking about some social justice issues relating to the prevention of and addressing violence among young black males. Also, Sunithia is going to be part of the upcoming Justice Conference, uh, and she'll be doing a presentation. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, and some other things. Uh, remind you, you're able to call in and to uh, ask our guests questions or to make comments on the show. But good morning, Sunithia. Good morning, Charles. Thank you for having me. Well, How are you doing pleasure. this morning? I'm doing well. Always doing well. Uh, I haven't had any breakfast this morning, so it might be a little slow. Uh, you know, how I function without food. I know. I, I, I don't even know why you have the audacity. And I have a good <laughs> breakfast before we have this conversation, because I think this talk is, is going to make you hungry. Oh, well, in that case, I, I might have to do a little order in real fast. Anyway, uh, we'll get started, and Sunita, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, and, and how did you get to the point where you are now with the city of Hampton? Um, I am currently the Youth Violence Prevention Program Manager for the city of Hampton. Um, I've been with the city of Hampton uh, just uh, actually in two months. It'll be 10 years. Uh, in that time, I have worked with um, Parks and Recreation, and now um, in the Youth Balance Prevention Division under the city manager's office and in several different roles, started working at a community center and then left and worked in our sister city for a little while in juvenile services and parks, recreation and tourism. And then came back to Hampton um, in 2008 and began working as the director at YH Thomas Community Center. And I was in that position for about seven years and uh, was involved in the advisory board for the prevention of youth violence. Um, under uh, Sabrina Jones, 
and uh, moved into this position a couple of years ago and uh, enjoying it. It is a challenge every day, but a good challenge. Hmm. So uh, before, before coming into uh, your present position, were you involved in this type of work in um, a meaningful way? Uh, and, and what, since you've been in office, has uh, increased your intensity for this job? Um, I would think, especially around prevention, I've worked in prevention for quite some time. Um, I also worked in prevention with the CSB. Um, and our work was directly related to youth adult partnerships and partnerships with the school system, um, building um, positive assets um, in young people and helping them to lead change in partnership with adults. Um, and in doing that work, they were able to do the Strengthening Families Program, Life Skills programs in the middle schools in Newport News. Um, and then all of the work that comes out of the Community Builders Network Partnership. Um, and that work is really powerful and learned a lot there. So I didn't come into the position cold, um, but now the position is allowing me to use what I've learned over the years to work with young people in the community. Um, and I, I have to tell you the biggest lesson I've learned is that young people just, we just need to work with them. Uh, because they have great ideas and they also have a lot of the solutions and you know a lot of us have aged out and should be comfortable standing beside or actually comfortable um, and thankful that we can stand beside another young person or a young person Charles because you know they don't consider you and I young anymore That's but true. to stand beside yeah. them and allow them to to give us direction and then we find ways to support um, what they would like to do. You have your best outcome. Um, as I stated earlier, I also worked on the advisory board for youth violence prevention um, while I was the director at YH Thomas um, as a community representative. And so uh, Sabrina Jones, who was the, the, former, the former program manager, um, had a wonderful idea um, and started Youth Connect based, off, based out of the targeted outreach model. Um, and in that advisory board that she developed, um, she made sure she had representation from the community, citizens, businesses, et cetera, um, so that we could work together to make sure that the services and opportunities we were connecting young people with were appropriate. And so I've been, been uh, around prevention um, for some time. Well, tell us a little about about the staff that's in your office. I know you have a a huge staff to deal with this monstrous problem uh, or the issues that are before you. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, we have Ms. Chanel Lewis, um, who is our program coordinator. Um, and she has been with the city of Hampton for a couple of years. She actually came from the neighborhood office. Um, and she was a great selection um, because her work in building capacity in neighborhoods has been an asset to our office um, because of um, as you, as you well know, um, we want to be a support to organizations that are doing work because nine times out of ten, or I'll say most times, ten, ten times out of ten, if you listen, um, neighborhoods that have a particular concern, um, they also have the assets and the strengths to address their concern. Um, and so her skill set is wonderful. Um, she is a graduate of Old Dominion University twice. And... Um, 
in selecting her also, I will tell you, Charles, you could tell that her, she has a heart for the work. And that's something that I think is very crucial um, and more important than having a lot of degrees. This is work that you have to do because you care, uh, because you don't see results immediately. Um, and then also uh, part-time, we have another program coordinator, Corey Palmer, um, and he is a veteran. He is a Hampton native, and he was doing work on his own in the community, working directly with young people and families, particularly over the summer, um, working in partnership um, to give young people good opportunities and outlets, um, exposing young people to recreational opportunities, and enrichment activities, and then giving them um, the opportunity to have a positive outlet. Um, and so he joined our team about six months ago, and he also has a heart for the work. As I, as I just stated, he was doing this um, before just on his own as a concerned citizen. And so that is the team of, of three um, that we have here and, and very excited and thankful to have them. Well, I mean, you spoke of young people. I mean, you put yourself in the category uh, of my caveman age, which you're not. Uh, just to let our listeners know, she's a young lady, uh, uh, a very wise and astute young lady um, in, in terms of the task before her. And why you? Why black youth violence? I mean, what, what makes this so paramount? Why should we be paying attention to this? this uh, particular issue? Um, well, we are looking at paying a targeted interest or attention to black males um, just based off of data. And so we start with a conversation about data because a lot of times people are uncomfortable when we say it. Uh, but in 2013, the city of Hampton had 23 homicides and 84%, I'm sorry, 83% um, of those who were involved in it or the victim were black males between the ages of 15 to 24. Um, and so as one of our assistant chiefs says, uh, assistant chief, chief Gallup at the time, he says that even if he looked at reducing it for the 17%, he would make no real deduction, no worthwhile deduction. And then in 2016, uh, you know, I'm sure that the majority of the listeners have um, seen the news and saw that uh, and, and read it on the paper as well that 2016 was a there was a spike in crime overall in the Hampton Roads region but for Hampton we had 22 homicides and 92 percent um, the victims or those involved were black males but in 2013 the age range started at 15 in 2016, age range started at 14. So over three years, it, it got lower. Which again, so maybe. Push- yeah. Sorry. What is the pushback on that, though? Have you received any pushback on uh, targeting this specific population versus any other? Um, no, I think that we have reduced the pushback. Um, because last year with the urgency now, we started about changing the narrative. So we had more conversation and we had tough conversations and allowed people and encouraged them to be uncomfortable um, in silence and on, also in, uncomfortable um, in having the conversation. And by silence, I don't mean by 
being apathetic, but I mean by just listening. Um, and so we allowed a space where people were able to ask questions um, and without fear of judgment or um, the quest questioning for alternative, alternative ulterior motives. Um, because when we initially started having the conversation, um, some of my colleagues who were not black said, look, if I say this, are people going to think that I'm racist? Um, if I make it a cause that is important to me and I say black males, does that mean that the other violent acts that are committed, I don't care about? And so we had to have conversations about that. And in my opinion, no, absolutely is not um, because we want all young people to be successful. Um, but we do have to make some targeted measures and targeted efforts um, to change the outcome for black males. So who's at the table uh, as you go forward in this endeavor? Um, uh, what, what segments of the community are there? What's missing from the community? Um, I hate to hit you with a three-part question, but then, too, who, who else needs to be at the table that's not at the table at this time? Okay. I'm all. If I forget a part, will you let me know? So you um, you said who's at the table, right? Yes. And who's missing? Oh, so I'm missing one part. Um, so who's at the table? Well, right now we are working on nine different projects because we believe that there are multiple ways to address this issue. And so at the table, we have members of the business community, the faith community, we have young people. Um, of course, we have colleagues of mine. So we, have, we partner with the police department, um, Healthy Families Partnership, Parks, Recreation, and Leisure Services. Um, I would say if there's anybody who's missing at the table, I would say probably the age group of 25 to 30. Just 25 to 30 year old young adults, um, regardless of their representation. But we are definitely missing. That's that's a piece of the puzzle that is missing. Um, and I think it's important for them to be there because I, while I appreciate you saying that I'm a young lady. And I have to be aware that in the eyes of a young person that I'm working with, I'm not a young lady. I'm an old lady, married, I've got kids, I run around behind them, I'm a soccer mom, a Girl Scout mom. And so for some, for a lot of the things that they want to discuss, Charles, is a chance I run the risk of sounding just like somebody that they already feel is, is just talking a hole in the side of their head. Hmm. Um, but I do believe that that 25 to, to 30 age range, those are young people who are doing things that are more in tune um, with what these young people think are positive. Um, we've had some interactions with some who are entrepreneurs, others who have professional careers, just different walks of life. But getting them involved um, would help us out because they're a lot closer than you and I are to the young people that we're working with. So you saying the 25 to 30-year-olds are missing from the table. Any particular reason why that is so? Um, hmm. I don't know if – I don't know if they, they – I don't know if they know their power and, and what we're trying to deal with. 
And the reason I say that is because I can think of when I was 25 years old, um, yeah, I still like to hang out and do things. Um, but I think that they're missing the power and not knowing that the young people will probably listen to them and ask them questions. And we're not asking them to mentor, but they need to be at the table as we develop these things because if we develop them and they're out of touch, the young people that we want to participate are not going to come. Um, the and I think the only way that we 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 have these that we work to get them to the table to have these conversations is we we make sure that they know that they are key through um, avenues like this um, partnerships. Um, you were on the planning team for Urgency of Now, and so you know we made an, an intentional effort to have young adults at the table. And that was successful, but we need young adults at the table. Where we're looking at developing grant programs. Um, we're getting ready to launch a community. We, we want to launch a community-based basketball league, um, and, you know, we want them at the table for that. Um, we saw a lot of young people who came out for the um, Day of Caring at North Bevis. Um, that age range was there, but getting them on a continual basis so that they can help influence the work that we're doing. So what can we do? Um I mean, because there's obviously never enough um, help that can come from the community, but what can we do if we're interested in, in engaging with your office and what specific skill sets or are you looking for from the community? Um, let's see. Well, relative to summer employment, um, we're always looking for people who are willing to come in and be guest presenters, um, because for a lot of the young people who work in our program over the summer, this is the first time they've ever held a job. And so we do a week-long training that focuses on soft skill development. And so I like to tell the young people who come into the program that it is a 10 weeks of on-a-job training. Um, so we, we talk about the things that matter. Um, it's been a long time since I had my first job, um, but every year, um, since I've been in this position and responsible for the summer employment program, summer youth employment program, um, I have to have a conversation with a young person who says, who's, you know, I get their evaluation, their biweekly evaluation, it says always late. Okay, so we have a, a pretty simple conversation and I say, well, it says you're always late. Yeah, yeah, but I always come, I'm not absent. So taking something like that for granted, that I'm running late, I need to call, or what can I plan to help me get to a point where I am not always late. Um, we've had discussions about having people come to the table. We've got to see if the community is interested to partner with us to have some volunteer job coaches. Um, so I think that we increase the success of young people who participate in the program um, if they have someone who is checking on maybe them and one other student. Um, but if we uh, don't do that, then there we you know we'll have a team. We'll we'll add two two um, interns in the summer, so we'll have five people um, checking on 25 kids or on 75 kids rather, and that's not bad. But I think that if you reduce the number by having more volunteers who are going to say, you know, I'm going to dedicate two hours a week over these 10 weeks 
to check on my young person who works at Buckrow Beach. I think we have the opportunity to, one, let the young, let more young people know that the community cares, and two, help them complete this this program um, and end it on an even more positive note. Another way that the community, we're going to ask the community to get involved, is uh, we received some feedback and some actually some requests to look into having a midnight basketball league and over the summer. And so uh, we have partnered with uh, community outreach from the police department and parks, recreation and leisure services. And we're getting ready to develop a, an advisory council. And that advisory council is going to try to see if the community is going to get engaged behind a, a evening basketball league um, that will have three age groups, middle, high school and adults. Um, but we want this basketball the outcome. We'd like this basketball league to be way more than basketball. Um, and we would like the coaches and the parents, team mom, um, sponsors. And by sponsors, I don't mean, you know, you have to be a major corporation. But, uh, for example, um, PBA could say, we want to be a sponsor. We want to sponsor the team um, that has been put together um, from the WIST section of the community and the team from North Phoebus, uh, the middle school team. And we're going to sponsor them by making sure that every time they play, they have Gatorade or water. And then we want the communities to work together to say, you know, when the WIST team goes to play at YH Thomas, if that ends up being one of the sites, um, they the, the adults have the conversation. So after the games are over, you know, they may say, hey, we've got this space out here. Um, we're going to bring some hamburgers and hot dogs, and we're just all going to get to get, get to know each other. And then there may, may be another team that says, you know, we're going to take our kids and our program to the aquarium. We want it to start with basketball, but we want it to end up with so much more and show, exposing young people to opportunities, um, engaging them in good conversation so we can find out and listen and hear, really hear, um, what their concerns are, what their desires are, and then also um, getting them to learn that just because Charles is from Hampton and Senethia, or from, from with and Hampton and Senethia is from old Northampton, you know, there's no reason that we could not be friends. That's a good point. And, 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 I really, really like the idea that taking the just that basketball uh, experience further uh, and not just a, a momentary sports activity, but building relationships, true relationships with uh, the young folks and, and exposing them to more. Uh, one of the things I, I, I am particularly biased about is the faith community and this ability to, uh, uh, to be able to respond and, and be able to interact uh, in in this environment that you're speaking of, uh, for so often we've taken a back seat, and uh, I guess I can't say it's all where we are today uh, in terms of um, the need and the the uh, the violence activity that's taking place. That that we can we need to point a finger back at ourselves, but I I will claim that, and uh, but in order to to do, do, do right by biblical justice, which is social justice too, that we need to be, be more intentional about uh, our involvement and not just sit back and take a, 
a meaningless role. In the few minutes we got, we have left. Uh, tell us about your. Uh, you're going to be at the Mid Atlantic Regional Justice Conference presenting a workshop. Can you tell us about that and and also a little bit about Cities United, which you you guys have uh, gotten involved with? Um, well, the, well, thank you for the opportunity to present at the conference. Um, I'm going to be um, talking about empowering the next um, next team, next age, the next leader, creating, building capacity in your community, um, because I also think that that's an opportunity for us to address a lot of the concerns that we have related to social justice, um, because one, how you, your perception of your neighbor um, can often change something that you may see on Facebook or something that you believe uh, because you've read it, you know, perception is real, um, but getting to know your neighbor that is nothing like you can also change your perception and change your reality. And if you're an adult that's taking those steps, then it also changes the way the young people that look to you for leadership view their community and their involvement. And I think a lot of times we, we fail in all this planning to prepare our next level of leadership. Um, I've been very fortunate to have folks who have let me bother them my entire career um, and also personally um, so I can learn. They have a great deal of wisdom that they share with me and they give me honest feedback and I appreciate that. Um, but if you have a community organization and the average age of the members of the community organization, um, 55 or 60, the average age of your neighborhood is 30 to 35 with children in elementary and middle school. You see a problem with that, Charles? There's definitely a disconnect there, yes. A, a disconnect and also an opportunity to miss some good information. And so exactly. you should, you know, people should be looking at legacy and building on that. And the only way you have a legacy is if you're getting somebody ready to take the wheel and also having the understanding that what they see as the potential for transformation or transformational leadership could be different from yours and that's okay because things change and time changes and you know we have to be willing to grow in that so that we empower young people and change our communities and so I'm excited about that with the justice conference because I, I also see the opportunity where the faith community um, is taking leadership or taking the, the leadership role um, to say that, they, or not even to say, but to show that they are not comfortable with sitting by on their hands. And that more of the leaders like yourself that our office is coming into contact with, um, they're also comfortable saying, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we think that the answers are among the people that we work beside and along with and not the people we're working for, that we're doing things to. Um, the outcomes are greater when we support what's readily available. And sometimes um, folks don't even know that they, they have the assets or, or they have the ability to change things. Um, and so social, social justice in general, but I'm really excited about just, just taking a small piece of that and talking about, you know, what are we, how are we interacting with our neighbor, your neighbor, 
that lives next to you, but I think that people miss it that, you know, interacting with your neighbor is not your neighbor that lives next to you. Y'all work in a sister organization or a similar organization. Um, you listen to the same music. You go to a similar type of a church. Embracing your neighbor is also embracing the folks who have nothing in common with you and nothing, you can't do anything, anything that you do for them is not in direct benefit of yourself. Wow. That, that's, that's, there were some mighty words of wisdom there, Sinesia. Um I think I've got a minute left um, with this conversation. So I'm just going to ask you this, this one difficult question. It may not be difficult for you, but uh, listening to you and have talked to you over the, over the months, uh, who was your hero and why? Um, can I have two? Can I have two heroes, Charles? You have two? Can I have two? Yes. All right. So, um, two two broad heroes. One, um, and I'll put them in the same category rather. My grandmother and my great grandmother. Um, my great grandmother. Um, she would be, hmm, you know, almost 110 years old. And my grandmother, who is still here, um, my family situation was not ideal. Um, my mother and my father both struggled with different types of addiction and, and different types of negative things. They're very good people, um, but they weren't able to care for me um, and provide stability and guidance and boundaries. And so um, family and community, I think, are my heroes because that's what changed it for me. If you look at, if somebody were to do a case follow on me, um, they would be able to check every negative indicator. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.